Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Uh, right now, we've got Conrad Black joining us as we continue to wade through this uh, just flood of information and different policies that the government's rolling out. Conrad, how are you holding up? Good? I'm fine, thanks, John. How about you? Yeah, likewise, you know, we're doing our, our part here every day, just uh, slogging away. It's like Groundhog Day, the movie. But, you know, as the government makes a new announcement, we try to chew down on it. So many of them are uh, hard to keep track. Stateside, Donald Trump signed off on a, another relief bill to the tune of $500 billion. So they're going to be into hawk for about, I don't know, four, five, six trillion all in. Conrad, my question from the 30,000-foot level, where is this all going to take us? Where is it going to end? Well, the, we go in the uh, the shutdown, uh, and the, and they are ending it in the U.S. Um, and I, I think Trump's handled the politics well. He's got the Democrats now as the party demanding that we keep everything shut down for another uh, six months or three months at least, and and, and that, that's that's just insane. They've got 26 million unemployed in the last uh, six weeks because of it, and, and uh, you you refer to the money they're spending to try and help them. Um, uh, on the straight financial side, I think the Senate leader there, McConnell, a senator from Kentucky and majority leader, indicated yesterday that this is this was the last train leaving the station as far as he's concerned. So, you know, if, and he's not getting any argument from the White House. So, you know, I, I think this is it. In, in fairness, it must be said, one, uh, these are deserving people. They did. They weren't even victims of an economic cycle. They were. They were victims of what is self-inflicted shutdowns. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's never been anything quite like it. Where throughout these Western countries, including ours, the government of the country voluntarily strangles the economy for, for a public health reason, of course. Uh, and and secondly. Uh, with interest rates at practically zero, you can manage a lot of debt for a while as long as you get serious about reducing it as soon as you're over the crisis that, that caused the spike in the debt. It seems to me like this is becoming, it's very political in the USA in an election year. Uh, here in Canada, obviously not so much. By the way, uh, with Saskatchewan putting a plan in place where they're opening up gradually a five-phase program starting Monday, New Brunswick's announced their plan, a four-phase one, uh, today. And you've got no new cases in PEI, Newfoundland. Uh, they've been over a week with any new cases, so you would think they'd be ripe for it. Doug Ford said earlier today they're planning to announce their plan Next week, uh, would you like to see us get up and running, too, in some kind of incremental phase thing? Uh, how would you approach yeah, that? Absolutely. It's, it's got to happen. I mean, um, I, I'm not monetizing life here. There's no price on, on life, obviously. But we've lost, I think, uh, 2000, 2000, about 2,200 people. In Canada, which is one in seventeen thousand five hundred of the population. Now, every death is a sad event, but but one one death out of every seventeen thousand five hundred people 
has caused a million and a half unemployed and a, and a hit to the stock markets in Canada of $670 billion. And, and we, we, we're not monetizing life, but we've got to do the best we can to protect those who are vulnerable to this uh, coronavirus uh, at a cost that doesn't penalize in an extremely dangerous and profound way huge numbers of totally unoffending people. So what you're saying is rather than a wholesale shutdown, uh, we've got to be more targeted in who we protect and who we allow to get back in and base it on science transmissibility uh, because of talking to and places like BC anticipating, you know, that maybe in the fall there'd be a resurgence. But, you know, you know how to uh, tamp it down as soon as you find it. The other interesting thing, Conrad, I don't know if you followed this, but uh, somebody has done a couple of studies like in New York uh, City, and they found that way more people have been infected than they had originally suspected. As many as 25 percent. But look, Sweden hasn't had a shutdown. And I happen to have the numbers in front of me because this is what I wrote about for the National Post this week. And it's, 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 I won't drench you in statistics, but Sweden has lost 211 people per million of population. The U.S. is 156 with a massive shutdown. U.K. is 293 with a big shutdown. That's higher than Sweden. France, 332. Italy, 429. And Spain, 482. More than twice Sweden's rate. And Sweden hasn't had a shutdown. Uh, the fact is, if you if you protect the the 80 percent of the casualties have, have been people over 65 with other problems. If you protect them, and they're, they're not that hard a group to segregate to some degree. I mean, for these purposes, I don't mean segregate them in the sense of, of, of uh, make them feel like undesirables. I mean, protect them. Um, then, then you're not, as far as I can see, running that greater risk. But if, if we don't get the economy moving again, we are we are we are going to have an absolutely unbelievable calamity, and and it will manifest itself in physical symptoms too. And uh, this is often mentioned nowadays: of people becoming depressed and falling into alcoholism, drug abuse, and you know all sorts of things. And uh, it's it, you know it's a, nobody, no civilized person is comfortable making any trade-off with life in any way. <clears throat> but we have to do in public policy terms what's practical here. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, when we talk about comparatives, uh, I heard some commentator saying last night, uh, the opioid crisis has claimed way more lives in America, but it doesn't get the same kind of attention as this has. Uh, I'm just wondering, is is it because uh, it's being politicized or uh, there's something where the media has decided that they would focus on this? Uh, I mean, you help me through that. The, the opioid crisis is a scourge uh, that, again, you know, the numbers are astronomical. Well, yeah, you, you've, you've got a couple of factors, though. They, <clears throat> pardon me, in the first place, well, unfortunately, a lot of people make a lot of money in the opioid business, and, and they are very tough, heavily armed people. And, uh, I mean, when you get to the, the, the leading ones, and uh, that's, you know, that's much harder to combat. And in in, in the second place, the... Um, the the methods of combat are, are you know it, it the the symptom is the illness and that's not the case with you know with a, with a pandemic I mean that is a physical affliction uh, 
this is this is illegal conduct leading to a to a problem with severe medical uh, consequences, and and so it's a different kind of a thing to attack it. But uh, you know, a shutdown wouldn't do on the opioid crisis. It wouldn't stop the op- opioids, but stop everything else. And, and um, uh, but but you you do make a good point. I don't. I think we should be making a greater effort in the opioid front than we are. I mean, in the United States, I I, I mean, I'm glad one of the consequences of Trump shutting the border down is <clears throat> he's forcing the drug importers to try and bring it in by plane and by ship, and that is much more difficult. And if the U.S. government asserts itself, it can it, it, it will intercept most of that. It, 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 I mean, an underemphasized aspect of the border controversy at the southern border in the U.S. is uh, drug traffic. It's not just illegal immigration. It, it, it's it's this tremendous flow of of deadly drugs. Yeah, but you know the point. I guess I was making too with the opioid crisis. It seems like it flies under the radar without the attendant uh, media, you know, uh, spotlight shone on it. And yet uh, we've got this situation now where if we open things up and uh, there's going to be a spate, this is the inevitability of more people infected and some will die. Uh, does the media then just jump on that and say, uh-huh, you see, uh, this was premature, now we got to go back into lockdown phase? I just wonder politically how that will be stick-handled. Well, you, you mentioned the United States. I mean, I think we can manage it here because, you know, we've had our election. But, uh, you know, the fact is the public state of hysteria was whipped up by the anti-Trump media. And that's what kind of pushed him into doing the lockdown with all the talk about how he was anti-science and so on. So he spiked all that. Now, I mean, I think he's played the cards brilliantly because he's turned it around and the Democrats are calling for this indefinite lockdown and have a candidate they're afraid to let out of his basement. Uh, and, and, you know, and Trump is the back to work president, having having flattened curve, as they say, on the on the on the virus. But the. Uh, uh, I, I, I think that you'll get some, you'll get the anti-Trump media who, who, you know, tried to blame him when a guy took uh, hydroxychloroquine phosphate and self-administered it, not knowing that it was what was used not to cure malaria, but to uh, uh, to clean up uh, aquarium fish tanks, and he died. So they tried to blame that on Trump, but uh, so some will say any any. Uh, any coronavirus death after the the uh, the relaunch of the normalization program uh, it is basically blood on the hands of the president. But That's what they're saying. It, the country yeah, won't well, believe it. Well, we'll have to wait and see, obviously, if uh, this is going to pass. I'm sure, uh, you know, just as they're leaping on him for uh, the Lysol injections, I guess, that uh, might have been somewhat misrepresented. But still in all, uh, Conrad, got to let you go on that note. Uh, wish you the best of health going forward and hope to talk next Friday. John, can I say a special word to my friend uh, Joe Steininger? He's a, he's a reader of mine, and he and his friends meet every week in Hamilton and listen to us. And so I send them greetings from both of us. Thank you for that. A big shout out to Joe, Conrad Black, author, commentator, and historian. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.